I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey, what's up? This is DJ Morse Code. You're listening to Rebel Radio. Tune in for the realness. Hey, fuck you, Josh. <laughs> What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up? What up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Tina Butterwolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh -huh. Rebel Radio is going down. Would you say Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I talk to the Rebels who are shaping youth culture. We find out how they do it, why they do it. And what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. This week I get into it with DJ Morse Code. He's uh, been called the best DJ in America. He's one half of the group Pools with the Mike B, making some sexy house music. We get into some details from, from his journey from San Francisco to LA and differences in the music scene in those two cities. He also helps me kind of break down what makes a great DJ. Some good stories coming up from DJ Morse Code right after our EDM.com track of the week. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? 
Yo, did you know Rebel Radio is the only show that brings you new music every week from EDM.com? This week was Willem with Emotion. That's on the Your Secret label. Get over to SoundCloud. Look for Your Secret if you want to hear more new music just like that. And right now we'll get into it with DJ Morse Code. I didn't know you were from uh, San Francisco. Yeah, I came, uh, I mean, I've been here since 89, went to college and then cool. stayed, but, um, but it, I don't know, I have a, we'll talk about it, but I have a kind of a love-hate relationship. With, I mean, yeah, with, like, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I've been here 10 years now. Have you? Yeah, and yeah. I mean, I'm really glad I made that move. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's changed so much, and, yeah. and it's like... I don't know. Even then, I had a love-hate relationship with it, but now it feels—it's hard to feel like home when I go back. Yeah. I mean, it's been so long now, but yeah. But it's still like—I—I I don't know. It—it it definitely feels like there's moments where I'm like, oh, okay, now I remember. You know, it brings back a certain memory. Right. But it feels like a totally different city. Yeah. I mean, I spent like you know, my early mid twenties there. Like, uh -huh. It's like, you know, even in the 10 years I've been gone, yeah. so much has changed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially the neighborhood I grew up in. I grew up on like 23rd and Dolores. Oh, okay. So I went to, um, I grew up on Hayes and Fillmore. Okay. Oh, wow. Really changed over there, too. Oh, it's totally different. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I went to, well, I went to Everett. Okay. Um, Sounds like down the street from me. So it was over there. And then I went to McAteer mm -hmm. and, uh, the so my sophomore year somebody flooded the school on the weekend and it like when like the water seeped into the to the building and like messed up the asbestos and so they had to like uh they had to pull out all the asbestos from the building so we had to move to james lake oh, okay. so i spent two years two yeah we moved back my senior year so yeah. i spent two years of high school at James Lick. Wow, yeah, which it's was like right, right down the street from where I grew up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was a trip. I mean, it was cool in a way because I got to hang out in the mission and we'd like run, we'd jump in our cars and go to uh, uh, El Toro and get burritos for lunch. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and be late coming back. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was a trip. They still got amazing burritos everywhere oh yeah for <laughs> so sure that's, that's yeah that hasn't changed thankfully i was home over the holidays and uh, yeah i was trying out some new some new joints oh really yeah i got like a steak and prawn burrito from pancho villa nice yeah oh, you know i kind of slept on it to yeah be honest. my top three are like farolito uh-huh cancun yeah. and la taqueria yeah it's pretty predictable yeah but, uh, no i mean but <laughs> it's once like i don't know to me like once you find that like yeah, I kind of you kind of stop looking, for, like you kind of stop exploring. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You're you like, know. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Well, thanks for doing this, man. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah for sure. I'm excited to have you on. And um, absolutely. Uh, Lee told me great things. Spider, I hit up Spider. He told me great uh, things. Love Spider. Yeah. Turns out, so Spider's been on twice. Yeah. Uh, I met him here actually, and it turns out we have the same birthday. Oh wow. And we met our wives on the same day. Wow. So we have all these weird, like... That's crazy. Connections. <laughs> that happens. Um, 
and I, I saw you're you're the best DJ in America. So <laughs> yeah. I want to find out what that's like. That's, uh, yeah, you know, that's pretty crazy. That's from a few years back. <laughs> that's pretty crazy yeah. distinction. Yeah, I mean, it came out of nowhere to be honest. Yeah, I literally like it was pretty funny. Like one afternoon, I was literally like napping, uh-huh. <laughs> and I woke up, and my phone was just like on fire, and I was like, "What the hell?" And it because they did best DJ in LA first, and right? Then they did best DJ in America after that. Yeah. But I was like, I find it ironic that I was like napping that day, uh-huh. <laughs> like being totally unproductive. Maybe, that, <laughs> maybe then, that's what it takes. And then I like wake up and my phone's like, congratulations. <laughs> and nice. I was like, uh, I feel like I should be like working on music or, <laughs> or like, you know, like getting my grind on. Right. You know what I mean? Like, For sure. All right. Well, we'll dig into that. And then cool. I also know you, uh, you produce with Brillstein. Yeah. Um, so he's been on the show and he, he DJed oh, really? my wedding. No way. Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. Damn, the connections just keep on coming. Totally. It's crazy. Yeah, that's like my dude. Yeah, like, yeah. that's He's like love, my best friend down love here. Love Mike B. Yeah, yeah, and he lives like across the street from me. Like, that was kind of the whole, yeah, I mean, whatever we can talk about. Oh, right. Show, but that was how like pools came about. Nice. Yeah, I, actually, I used to live over in this neighborhood. And, oh, okay. Um, yeah, I lived in this like crazy house for about a year and a half that had like a, a pool in the backyard. Mm-hmm. And I met Mike probably like 2006 or so, right before I moved here. Um, some of the first like gigs I ever had in LA was like Cinespace Tuesday and like Banana Split Sunday. Yeah. And we met through AM, mm-hmm. and uh, we just hit it off like immediately. Like we just sort of had like a, we just sort of like identified, you know, within one another, kind of like, like skateboarding, like sure. hip hop, yeah. you know, all the classic things are like yeah, same yeah, age, yeah. and. Um, then when I lived in that house, Mike started coming around that house a lot and we were just swimming. And then we started like going to different pools, mm-hmm. like kind of all over the city. And we were noticing that like, we were kind of listening to like certain types of music right. that were really complimentary to like that vibe. Yeah. And then one day, then when I moved to Los Feliz, then um, one day I had this, the sampler, the SP404 just on at my house, like playing beats out of it. And Mike was like, what are you going to do with those? And I was like, I don't know. And he was like, let's just go to the studio. Nice. And then we just started, like, making pools music. So if we're at the pool, right, right. what are you putting on? Oh, man. <laughs> I should have brought my laptop or something <laughs> so I could just pull up some names. But, I mean, around that time, there was kind of like, I don't know. I don't want to sound too esoteric explaining it. But there was, like, sort of a new wave of kind of down-tempo, like, mm. music coming out that was, like, house and disco influence but also but also like hip-hop influence as well mm-hmm. and there were just new names popping up like six borough project tornado wallace um guys like that and then on the hip-hop side you know like the influence is so, is so like dilla mad lib yeah. like which i've always been really into sure and so it was kind of like this synergy of like combining all of those things yeah. and i had also i've also really Record-wise, as far as far as like the old older kind of records that I dig for, I got I'm like really into just jazz, but a lot of like fusion jazz mm-hmm. and shit that like I felt like people w- were kind of sleeping on like back in the day that people want now. Right. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and a lot of that just came from like yeah, coming up in San Francisco, digging in San Francisco, learning you know how to dig like yeah. more uh, efficiently from like people like Chris from the Groove Merchant and Mm -hmm. hanging out in that store a lot. And I had put out these uh, mixes back in the thousands called uh, Fusion Batches, which were kind of like specializing in that sound. And 
those mixes ended up having this weird kind of like cult following like of you know people that don't even they could care less about anything else Is i do right? but they're like you know ask like i still get weird like soundcloud messages like you know what song comes on at like track you know like on the mix cd like track two like seven minutes and 34 seconds in i'm like i don't fucking know yeah. <laughs> and so that you know combined with the music that was coming out around that time all those influences like combined yeah. to to make pools because a lot of the samples i had in my sampler had come from like records like that mm -hmm. where i was just trying to flip little parts of them and mm -hmm. listening to a lot of like mf doom is another one too how like he i felt like was like the master of like i call him drugstore breaks mm. where like the song itself is mad corny but then there's one little part of uh -huh. it that's dope yeah <laughs> and he kind of flip it and make it like grimy and kind of like yeah. dope like um like you know that song rhymes like dimes mm -hmm. like that's to me is a perfect example like that track is like this sort of whatever quincy jones track it sounds like literally i call them drugstore breaks because it reminds me of like you know like a walgreens but back in the day in san francisco it was like thrifty junior yeah, yeah reminds yeah. me of like a thrifty junior like clean up on aisle four you know uh -huh. like the music that's playing in the background yeah, yeah, yeah. but then there's right. this one little part you know and then he just kind of flipped it and made it sound dope sure so I've, I've just always been really into that and so all those things combined to to make pools so how'd you i mean let's go back to the beginning how'd you first get like do you remember falling in love with music for the first time um yeah well i mean you know it's probably like some of my earliest memories really of just like staring into space like listening listening to music like before i could even walk like my parents told me that like anytime they wanted me to just like be quiet they just put on music and i was just like i was just totally content what just, do you think they were playing um well they played a, like a, a lot of different stuff like when i was when i was growing up like um like my dad I think my dad definitely like handed down the the jazz like like influence to me, mm -hmm. um, but he was also playing like you know just all the classic Motown and stuff yeah. like Stevie Wonder and um, all that kind of stuff. had um reel to reels actually he still has mm -hmm. them mine too at, uh, yeah my folks house like my dad had this reel to reel set up which was funny because later on when i when i started collecting records i was like man he told me that back in the day he would take records and um record them to reel to reel and then take the record back to the store and like get the exchange okay. like and exchange it for another record and i was like man why didn't you just hang on to all these <laughs> records because he had joints but yeah. uh he would play stuff like, you know, a, a really, like, he was like a head. My yeah. dad, you know, really passed that down to me. Like, he, um, he was really into, like, Sly and the Family Stone. And then my mom, um, she eventually went back to school and became a psychologist. But, like, when I was really little, she was just, like, an artist, like, stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. And she was just, like, painting, sculpting. But then all the music she was listening to was, like, out there, like, 80s, like, like artsy stuff like Talking Heads and yeah. Laurie Anderson and yeah. like she was into that whole wave. Nice. So, you know, that combined with like, I don't know, I just feel like the the kids' records, I can kind of remember they, they played for me around that time, I feel like we're like funky, you know what yeah. I mean? It's kind of like later on when you're digging and you're like, there's like a whole like section of like, like people have sampled a lot of like kids' records from like the 70s yeah, and yeah. early 80s because there's yeah. like, you know, there's just, they just sound like kind of vintage and dope and sure um yeah all of that combined with like literally just 
like I just remember in my neighborhood just cruising around as a kid and just hearing all kinds of music coming out of different cars and stuff and then another really early memory is just like listening to KMEL mm -hmm. in San Francisco and and the the like wait how are they doing that moment like like the sort of like bing like you know light bulb moment was like hearing mix shows where there was no pauses in between the songs right. and even like I remember I don't know, I must have been like six, seven years old, already thinking like, how are they doing that? You mm -hmm. know, I want to know how to do that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like the city definitely, the city, the San Francisco at that time really, you know, influenced me a lot. Just yeah, it's a weird thing to talk about with people that that weren't there because, like, I think you know there are these moments. I mean, uh, I was listening to Combat Jack on the way here, talking to Common, and they were talking about how. New York in the 70s was this pressure cooker of, of economic, you know, issues and social issues and music and all these things came together and that that pressure built up for years and it exploded into hip hop. Yeah. And um, and I think San Francisco in the 80s, 90s was a similar kind of environment. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember, like we, you know, we used to go to Club Townsend and then then they had this little room in the back that was on King Street and it was just desolate. Yeah. You know, and now it's like tech yeah. central and, you know, uh, and it wasn't, you know, it's just like a whole part of the city that hadn't even been developed mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all yeah, that. Yeah, that shit. was like no man's land. I remember that. Yeah, for totally. Sure. Yeah. And, and now it's a ballpark and, a, yeah. you know, and this commercial center and all that. And, um, but that, you know, that environment, I think, means so much to shaping the culture that comes out of it. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I was on, you know, I grew up on 23rd and Dolores and, uh -huh. like, Dolores Park. And oh, man. I just remember hearing, like, RBL Posse. And, uh -huh. <laughs> and just, like, I don't know, just the whole vibe of, like, the local, you know, by the time I was in high school, just, like, the local hip-hop scene. But then, at the same time, you know, all that all this all those like luminary like 90s east coast hip-hop records were coming out nas and wu-tang yeah. and everything it was just that you know it was all just exploding like everywhere it felt like you know yeah. and now all these years later when you look back on it you realize how special of a time it was but uh -huh. at, at the time it was kind of just like oh yeah you know this is just normal <laughs> like yeah. this there's literally this much quality right you know art music like existing around yeah, and us. I think when you're in it and you're young like you you think that's never gonna end or change yeah right like you don't you know you don't get the concept of change yeah when you're at that age right yeah for sure because everything is so immediate yeah you don't have any frame of reference right. you're just in it yeah, yeah. what but, um what was your how'd you get on the turntables well, basically, like I was saying, you know, even even that early on, like seven, eight years old, like listening to mix shows, mm -hmm. I, even then I was just like, how is there no pauses in between this? And then I hadn't quite put it together yet, like what was happening. But I remember, you know, just like every other DJ you ever hear, <laughs> you know, who heard uh, Herbie Hancock Rocket. And they were like, how are they doing the frick, frick, fresh, frick, yeah. frick, fresh? And, um, you know, basically, like... I can't really pinpoint the first time I ever like saw, I think I probably saw turntables on TV first. Mm -hmm. And then I started kind of like putting the pieces together, like hearing cuts on songs, like understanding how they were doing mix shows. And then 
like basically in the early or yeah around the yeah early to mid 90s like I had one of my best friends his older brother had turntables um in their attic okay they lived in like the upper hate yeah and um his brother was like really strict about like don't you know don't yeah. mess with my turntables <laughs> like <laughs> right. nobody's allowed except you know for me and like even when he was around you couldn't you know mess with me you had to just kind of sit in the room and he would play records on it but from the moment i laid eyes on those turntables that was the first turntables that like you know a friend of a friend had right, or anything right, right. that i was like that close to that i could like like see and was yeah. just like transfixed and the, the 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 memory i have of like the sort of like explosion for me of like oh my god this is like all i want to do is they had a house party one night and i like snuck up there <laughs> of course got on. got on the turntables and by that time i had figured out how to like hit record on the tape or whatever mm -hmm. and i was just messing around up there and i hit record on the tape and i mixed uh Desmond Decker into like tribe. And I was like, I had this like moment of like, this is so dope. Like I was just feeling myself. I was yeah. like, but like the recording like came off clean, like uh -huh. it was tight. And so it was like, it was literally like, it, now when I think about it, it's like can't hardly wait or something. Just like <laughs> I came downstairs with the tape in hand, like right. just like yo, <laughs> like, and uh, and my friend's brother, like he was all mad at first. He was like, hey, I told you you can't go up there. And I was like, but yo, listen to this. And right. I like put the tape in, and then they were, and then he was like. Oh damn, that's like that's really dope. And then he gave me props, nice. and then like everyone at the party was like dancing to the tape. Nice. You know what I mean? It was like, like just like a classic '90s house party. Yeah, and, uh, that's a good start. Yeah, and then like that—that that was the moment yeah. where it was like, you know, all right, this is what I want to do. Um, and, and it then, was easy. So did you just jump in and start playing gigs? Like, was that easy to? No, not at all. I mean, I I basically like a couple years after that, I got I finally got my own turntables mm -hmm. and. I still actually still have the same techniques, 1200s, like to this day. They but uh, <laughs> those they're like tanks, man. You can't break them. They're tanks. Um, but mixers, on the other hand, <laughs> this is a different story. Sure. And I had that that rinky dink Gemini mixer that mm -hmm. that everybody had back mm -hmm. in the day. And um, so you know, with that setup at home, like I was just like all I cared about at that point was just getting better. And like like you know, I've talked to and actually. I, I teach a class now at Point Blank Music School. And oh, cool. It's kind of interesting because, like, getting to see people that are, like, as enthusiastic as I was back then, and I can relate to the sort of feeling of, like, you have these ideas in your head and you just want to get them out, but you don't yeah. have the, like, technical, like, wherewithal yet to do it. Or yeah. you, don't, you, ha you don't have the, like, muscle memory or, like, yeah. you know what I mean? And so you're just trying to get the, like, the feel down. And so, like, first couple of years I had turntables, like, all I wanted to do was just, like, try to get these ideas out of my head of like mm -hmm. certain scratches or things or just experiment with like you know blending certain certain kinds of records or just it was just like a really experimental time and then I went to school I went to college in Oregon and the whole time I was up there I was just like um you know scratching x amount of hours a day and and just like you just couldn't get me off the turntables yeah. so by the time I came back to San Francisco after school 
in like 02, that's when I was just like chomping at the bit to break into the local scene. Yeah. But at that point, I already had like five years of right, just right, practice right. under my belt. Yeah. And I had played, you know, a grip of like college parties and mm -hmm. stuff. So mm -hmm. I had had experience with like, you know, crowds, not like huge crowds or anything, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. enough experience yeah, to yeah. be like, okay, I feel like I'm ready. And so I just started like going out constantly yeah. to different bars, clubs, kind of immerse myself in the scene. Um, and then, you know, it's just the classic story of like, just kind of hanging out places and, you know, trying to see if I could get on, but not trying to be too thirsty about it, just kind of hanging out. Yeah. And then uh, one night, my friend, um, B Cause, shout out to B Cause, who's a legendary San Francisco DJ. Mm -hmm was just like, yo, you know, I got to go to the bathroom. Can you hold it down for a few minutes? And I got on and like he came back and he was like, yo, you're killing it. And then like, you know, let me play for a bit longer. And, you know, then I started like DJing with him sometimes. And then, you know, I don't know, like just kind of connecting the dots. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. like, but, you know, that's the advice I always tell people coming up is just like, just go hang out. Don't be trying to like make money off this. You know right. what I mean? Like. Right. Just if you really love it that much, like you should, you shouldn't have any issue with that. Like yeah. as far as just, you know, just going out and exposing yourself to the scene and different DJs and just soaking it all in. And then yeah. like, you know, you'll probably at some point get an opportunity to like, you know, like get put on, do something, you know what I mean? And So, um, you know, the, like the idea of like doing it for the love. Yeah. And as you said, you put in, you know, five years before it cracked off as a job, right? Yeah. And uh, so that's a, it's kind of a cool idea, but it's also like, I think really hard, especially when you're young and you see people coming up, you see the, you know, the glamor from the outside of like, you know, especially what's happening with DJs now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How do, how do you, like, you know, when you're working with students at Point Blank or whatever, yeah. like, how do you, how do you justify that, putting in that kind of work when in some ways you sort of don't have to? Well, you know, it's like I can, like, talk about it until I'm blue in the face with, with students or yeah. try to explain it. But, man, you know, it's like so much of the time it's like you either got it or you don't kind of thing where with regards to, like, I can sort of see it in, 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 in students or young young folks that are coming up that sort of like like they, they wouldn't know what to do with themselves if they weren't just like spending all their time doing this thing and, right and that's you know I can relate to that feeling of coming yeah. up of just this almost like rabid like intensity of just like foaming at the mouth like let me just get on these turntables or let me just you know hang out and watch dope DJs and and um, yeah I mean I don't know I mean I guess I just try to like like influence as much as I can for, to, to, to keep it pure, yeah. to keep it that, that same like pure, like just enthusiasm. Um, so, I feel like, I don't know, I, I, I think in a way that's sort of like coming back around a little bit, mm. um, people are craving a little more authenticity, I think, and we're sort of like coming out of this like insane EDM era. Sure. So I think that that's complementary to like what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. like people having a, a authentic like enthusiasm um despite all of the like flashiness yeah. you know especially in the last 10 years of, yeah, yeah. of of djing and not only that but 
how broad even the term DJing or DJs has become. Right. It could mean so many different things at this point, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so what? So is there a common thread? And as you said, DJing can mean so many different things, and there's different genres and styles, and you know, whatever. Is there a common characteristic of the great DJs that you know? Hmm. I mean, the first thing that pops in my head is that same sort of like, like unadulterated like enthusiasm, where they they you couldn't imagine doing anything else. Yeah. And it's just all you think about, all like you care about. It's like yeah. you couldn't live without it. Like, and I mean, I think. I mean, I guess you can't teach that. You like, can't teach that. Yeah, yeah. you kind of. I'm teaching the, my fourth term so far mm. right now, and it's cool because every term there, it's you know, it's a different energy, it's a mm -hmm. different group mm -hmm. of students, and yeah, you know, it's kind of something that I sort of wait to see if it's there. Yeah. Um, and if I do see it and it's there, then I'm like, okay, I can do a whole lot with this person. Yeah. And then if it's not there, I try to do everything I can to foster it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, at the end of the day, you can't force it. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that, man, I mean, it's just, I guess it's like the, the, the whole 10,000 hour rule kind of deal where right. like you can, you know, you, you have to get to a point where you're, hitting walls and you got to like kind of push through them and yeah. you got to like be committed to a certain amount of like repetition and, yeah, yeah. and sort of like just getting it right you know yeah. what I mean um so I guess yeah just the sort of dedication mm -hmm. the like mm -hmm. um but yeah I mean that's that's hard to teach because yeah I just I don't know I suppose I'm fortunate that I just had this sort of like yeah. you know almost insane level of like <laughs> just like this is all i want to do yeah. like uh from a young age um you still have that you know what uh yeah i think yeah. i do i think i do i think that like it's it's been really interesting to see everything that's gone down especially in the last 10 years with just like we were just talking about how broad the definition of djing has become what the perception of djing is you know for the general public yeah um all these changes that have gone down um the whole wave of like overnight mm -hmm. djs mm -hmm. people that do all kinds of other stuff and then all of a sudden they're a dj right you know those kind of things could definitely discourage potentially discourage people or make them feel like you know it's not worth it and mm -hmm. um yeah i mean there's certainly been bumps in the road but i kind of like the idea of like you know, you're not supposed to just always, I mean, you should fundamentally love what you do, yeah. but you're not, realistically, you're not always gonna like, just be like, I love this. <laughs> like, yeah, you're gonna have obstacles, you're gonna have moments of like, you know, you're gonna have challenges, but I guess as long as you have that fundamental kind of drive and that love for it, like, you'll get through it, you know, yeah. and um, yeah, you know what I mean? I, I guess I have certain things that I kind of like, <laughs> continuously sort of go back to if I'm ever kind of feeling like I'm getting a little lost or mm -hmm. I kind of need a reminder of why I do certain things really what I like I kind of just go back to like records mm -hmm. a lot of the times um I just chill out and listen to records you know and I'm just like okay all right yeah this is what I love you know are there certain records that like come to mind when you think of that <sighs> yeah I mean Roy Ayers everybody loves the sunshine or like Herbie Hancock, Headhunters album. Mm -hmm. 
Things that just kind of like, or even just like Trap Called Quest, Midnight Marauders, you know, mm -hmm. just like certain records that were so important for me yeah. at, at that critical time. Yeah. The, the records that I feel like sort of brought me online, so to speak, yeah, <laughs> of yeah. like, oh, right. Yeah. Because it, when I think, to, I think back to a time before discovering these particular records and like having this feeling of like, I know what I want to do, but I don't know what it is yet, but I know there's something there. And then certain things I heard, like the first time I heard like electric relaxation, yeah. like I was just like, like, oh yes, this is it. You know what I mean? Like, so like certain things like that, like, but then as an adult, it's like, I might go listen to like the Ronnie Foster like sample, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And be mm -hmm. like, it'll give me the same kind of feeling. Yeah. Whereas I've heard electric relaxation, like, you know, thousands of times sure, at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like, I'll kind of flip it. Yeah. You know, maybe like, oh, I'll go listen to the original and it'll give me that same kind of feeling, that same kind of wave. It's, it's so funny you say that because I, I kind of go through the similar, like I, I forget to fall in love with music, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I did that just the other day. I was like, I went and added Low End Theory to my uh, Apple Music yeah. and I listened to the album, you know, start to finish. I think I listened a couple times. Nice. And it's like... Yeah, that record was everything in my life when it came out, you yeah. know, and I probably played it, whatever, 100 times. And it had been 20 years probably since I'd heard the whole album at once, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting moment to kind of spend with yourself. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love to do that. Yo, if you're enjoying this one, let's go back in the archives check out my interview with DJ The Mike B. Uh, he's a great DJ and a great producer, funny dude. He DJed my wedding. We go back many, many years. Uh, it's a fun interview you can check out as well. And of course, let's finish up now with Morse Code. So yeah. when you're teaching, what are the mistakes you try to steer your students away from? Man, I feel like there's so many. Yeah. <laughs> What's a big one like that you made that that stands out? Hmm. Wow, another great question. I can tell you're good at <laughs> you know what you're doing here. <laughs> uh a mistake that I made that I try to steer them away from. Wow. <laughs> I feel like you're making me realize I need to be more like self critical. <laughs> you know Not necessarily I mean I, I don't I know I don't know you're... I spend so much time thinking like I just, you know, I'm the master here. I just know exactly what I'm doing. I need no, to that be... probably makes you that probably makes you a better teacher. <laughs> yeah, no, I need to be more. I need to be more critical and humble. <laughs> no, um, but that's yeah, fun. that's no fun. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, there, what's the fun in that? Um, a mistake that I made. Wow, that's a really good question. I mean, first thing that popped to my head is like um, theory-wise, because what's interesting is like with Point Blank. The curriculum actually comes from their headquarters in London. Right. They give me a lot of leeway to sort of like interpret it as I see fit and yeah. kind of, you know, uh, assess like what aspects of it apply to, you know, at any given term, like the types of students I have. Mm -hmm. But if there's one kind of theory off top that pops in my head, like or theory wise, that that's something that, you know, right out the gate, something I I did a handful of times early on. It's like. 
uh, messing up the, f the phrases and the bars of when you're beat matching. So you might have two records that are perfectly beat matched, but if you drop the one on the three right. of the other joint, yeah. it's, it creates uh, an effect where the crowd, like it's, it's almost like this subliminal thing where the crowd knows something's wrong, <laughs> yeah. but they don't, don't know what. Know what. Yeah. Because for all intents and purposes, like it's on beat, but something just sounds weird about it. You know what I mean? I mean, so that's something I'm constantly correcting. I mean, that's an interesting point. And, and I actually, I had, thinking about this interview, I, was, I had a question that I kind of think you sort of led us to. That's, um, what separates a good DJ from a great DJ? A number of things. Uh, I mean... Wow, I feel like there's so many things. <laughs> well, because I mean, that's yeah. a, I think what you just said is a good example because, yeah. you know, if you had asked me, like there's, you know, can you mix? Mm -hmm. Can you select right for the room? Mm -hmm. Like, are you, you know, and then, but that's like most decent DJs can do those right. two things, right? Yeah. And you should be able to deliver, although there's a lot of people and some of them making a lot of money who can't do <laughs> one or both of those. Yeah. But like, you know what I mean? Like, but then there's those guys that just, you know, and for me, I'm not an expert. So I just know if I'm having mm -hmm. the time of my life or mm -hmm. not. Right. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. uh, and there's this sort of little bit of quality yeah. that I yeah. can't really explain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, programming is like a, a, a big one for sure. Yeah. Pacing. Yeah. Um, pacing and programming over the sure. course of a, of a, of a set or mm. if, or an entire night. Mm -hmm. I tend to think that it makes DJs way better to at least go through some portion of their career, some phase or portion of their career where they're <clears throat> playing uh, much longer sets mm -hmm. because they're gonna have to dig for more music. They're gonna have to deal with uh, more sort of variables and situations that can come at them over the course of the night. Um, they're gonna have to kind of fine-tune their set a little more to to just work for a, a longer period of time. Whereas if you're just only playing hour, two-hour right. sets, like for your whole career, you know, you're, yeah, you're, you might be lacking in the, in the programming department. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I guess like a really great DJ, I feel like has a good balance of reading the crowd but then also having sort of confidence in themselves and the sort of like story they want to tell or the kind of like as cheesy as it may sound like journey they want to take the crowd on mm -hmm. you know what i mean like mm -hmm. like those two things if you can sort of strike the perfect balance between those two things i think that that takes you from being good to being great yeah um because if you go too far in either direction so let's say you go too far in the direction of being a a, a crowd pleaser then Sure, you're doing a good job, but you're just kind of like a, a run of the mill. Yeah. There's nothing uh, exceptional about you. You know, you're just like, okay, oh, that guy, you know, just, it, it's predictable. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And then on the flip side, if you're trying to be this like ultimate tastemaker, like everyone's just got to like understand right. that I'm here to like, you know, put people up on game and educate. It's like, well, yeah, well, guess what? You're, you're kind of an asshole, right. you know, and people are bummed. You yeah. know what I mean? But if you can kind of meet in the middle, uh -huh. so to me it's like, 
you know, read the crowd, like feel the energy of the room and realize that you're kind of conducting that energy, but then also take risks, you know what I mean? And like, and be like, you know what? There's this one song I've been listening to at home for the last week that I'm obsessed with and I'm just going to throw it in there and just see what happens. You know what I mean? Can you remember early on someone kind of doing that and like when you sort of realize that? Yeah, I mean, because like basically, you know, the initial major influence that 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 was that like the things that influenced me the most in the beginning were more on the side of like turntablism. Yeah, it wasn't until a little bit later on when I became, you know, like a working, a consistently working club DJ that I started to really admire um, a lot of, especially East Coast DJs, party rocking DJs. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing like the Rub DJs, like uh-huh. in the early two thousands. Cosmo Baker, uh-huh. absolute monster. Yeah. Um, the way watching him, like like when they came to San Francisco, they came to San Francisco like for the first time, I think in like '03, something like that. And this was right around the time that like message boards and things like that were first Mm kind of popping off and like Mm -hmm. it was a really cool time because that I was learning about you know all of these DJs that were working in other cities and doing similar work that I was doing and 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 then it was sort of like this uh, this awareness Mm -hmm. like building of like oh there's all these other cats out there doing all this great stuff and then because of like this sort of you know um internet networking becoming sort of a new possibility yeah people people and then like the myspace era came in but everybody just kind of like networking and and getting booked in other cities and yeah when those guys came to san francisco and they played at milk yeah i remember just being like blown away by like their programming yeah um the just like i was just talking about the pacing and the programming the just the right balance of playing to the crowd but but taking risks yeah um and like, yeah, Cosmo was one of the first people that I saw kind of do this like particular East Coast style of like where you where you kind of play a phrase from one record. Right. And then you go into something else that's kind of like, like I, OK, let me let me think of a specific example. Like, OK, I, I saw him one time a few years after that, actually. But he would do he would do the same thing, like with different records. But I saw him play the intro from Run DMC, Sucker MCs, like mm-hmm. two years ago, a friend of mine asked me to say, so he played that and then it's like, and it went this way, boom, yeah. and go into something else, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And then sure. he would play a portion of something else. Then he would go back to the Run DMC yeah. two years ago and it went this way, boom, go mm-hmm. into something else, then go back one more time, then go into something else. To me, that, that was crazy. Like, and the other DJ I saw do that on the West Coast was J-Rock. Mm-hmm. I saw J, like J Rock had those classic mixes, uh, uh, Sex Machine Tonight and Live at the Sex or Sex Machine Today, mm-hmm. and um, those were game changers for me. Those that was like around 2000, 2001. Yeah, he did that same thing with like Children Growing with them producing, and then going to Gaz, mm. Sing Sing, and then go back into the you know whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But that that it's almost to me sort of like this ill like storytelling like within a set yeah. in a way which. Which, um, 
to me that just programming wise like really blew my mind yeah and up until that point you know like i was saying i was i was really more so influenced by like the scratch pickles and Qbert, and i was just right. like what's that one scratch that mm -hmm. they do and mm -hmm. i was just trying to look you know, teach myself how to like crab scratch and flare and yeah and then that but then you know on the flip side like the digging scene brain freeze you know dj shadow and cut chemist and all yeah. that and those guys obviously incredible programmers of their sets as well but as far as just straight up club djing mm -hmm. yeah i would say j-rock yeah. cosmo yeah uh dj crooked uh is one of the know. illest club djs ever right? <laughs> yeah like well basically by the by the late 2000s kind of when i was like gonna make the move to la and when i was like i had met am yeah. the first time and of course he was just like insane yeah um but yeah, around that time is kind of when I first started going to like Vegas more and, mm -hmm. and, and seeing certain DJs play out there. And I'll never forget seeing like DJ Crooked in Vegas. I think it was like 06 playing yeah. it like Jet or something like that. And just like killing it. Like that was when I was seeing a lot more. And he, he's from New York, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? It was like more of this like East Coast influence of like quick mixing. Like I'm going to play, you know, four choruses from different songs in a row but I'm going to do it completely seamlessly, mm -hmm. like flawlessly and keep the energy. It's like working the crowd into like a frenzy. You know what I mean? Because everybody's singing along just that one part, but then there's no, like there's, there's no lack of energy whatsoever. Like yeah. there's no moment where it dips down. Yeah, it's just yeah, like, yeah. boom, 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 boom. Just, yeah. just hitting them with joints, like one after the other, like, yeah. like, you know, relentlessly. And that was an eye-opener eye for me. Because the West Coast and the Bay, I feel like, was so, like, blendy. <laughs> Everything was just so, like, right. uh, okay, we're going to blend these eight parts of this, and we're going to blend the eight parts of this. Sure. And it was just so, everything was so smooth. And I liked that East Coast influence of, like, bam, uh -huh. bam, just, like, you know, just dropping records. And, and learning yep. how to play certain records, like, certain records you have to play from the top. Right. Not blend them. You got to, like scratch them in and just drop it because yeah. you know you can't just be you can't be blending everything mm -hmm. you know it's just boring <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah it's funny that, i mean yeah i guess i i never that all like now that you say it i i kind of get it and i you know i don't i don't know that i was paying attention while it's happening yeah you know um but i grew up like for me Oh, you mean you were just partying and having a good time like an old person and, <laughs> but, not, and not being an insane nerd like me? <laughs> but, but you'd have these, I mean, you know, I think, well, I was going to say, so, you know, I came up in an era, like the DJs that I grew up to, or, you know, was Pause, mm -hmm. Mind Motion, Supreme, Wow. you know, Rolo, Ivan. Nice. Uh, Positively Red. Yes. Uh, you know, is that San Francisco? Yeah. Think Paws and Supreme and I we went to high school together. Wow. So I knew those guys. Wow. And hung out with them and whatever. So and you would see and uh, you I know, used to buy Supreme tapes from uh, True. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, so it was like an amazing era of DJs. For and sure. It, but it, and it, it definitely was a certain style mm -hmm. that you know. Again, like I don't think I was really conscious of it because you're just partying and having a good time. Yeah. And I came to LA and it was a different crop of DJs and a different, you know, you had B Chunkies and you mm -hmm. had like these different influences. So the first party I ever did actually, I flew down DJ Paws and, wow. uh, and it was Paws, Aladdin and DJ Utaka 
who was Ice T's DJ mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. And, wow. Uh, <laughs> it was this crazy, crazy night. Wow. But like, yeah, that's a totally different style of DJing. Yeah. That you know, I don't, I don't think I was even aware of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when I think of like Supreme tapes, like he was like, like I feel like there was definitely. I mean, everybody was influenced by by New York, you know yeah. what I mean? And everybody was sure. also playing a lot of East Coast, mm-hmm. like, hip-hop at that time. So the influence was obviously thick, and it was very present. But, yeah, and I mean, you know, it's definitely a blanket statement for me to say the what, the entire West Coast yeah, was no, really no, no, blendy. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I get it. But, you know, um, yeah, I mean... But you for, have these trends. For me personally, you know, I think that, like, I sort of caught, like, the last... Like, I wasn't old enough yet to like see those any of those guys live yeah like i remember hearing mind motion on the radio a ton and yeah. just being like and just thinking to myself like this is so dope like yeah he's a monster yeah just absolute beast but like by the time i was becoming really active in the scene like i, f- I feel like maybe uh, yeah i hadn't seen as much of that mm-hmm. era like in person because when that was happening i was like going to some of my first shows ever, which were way more on the side of like, you know, like I was talking about like the turntablist stuff mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like the Justice League, like, you know, like like sure. that, that venue and, you know, so so in a way, I mean, it's interesting that you bring it up because like I would love to either hear some live mixes from the guys you mentioned from that time. There's or, some Prima Bead tapes floating around. Oh, online, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. yeah, no, I would love to catch... Yeah, that that would be something interesting to kind of yeah look up online and kind of dig around for some stuff because like now that you mention it you know yeah it's interesting how much you know when you tell these stories it's coming from like personal experience and you have this kind of framework in your mind sure of uh, but so much of it is like uh you know your personal history and your yeah, you know your personal like yeah and our memories yeah and your memory reliable but now that you mention all those guys like wow yeah. Like that was a whole area of, of club DJing right. that I personally didn't really experience. That I, I would love to like kind of go back and. and so how are the crowds to... different now? <laughs> I don't want to sound like too much of a grumpy old man, but you know, I mean, I mean I, the world's changed, right? It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. The crowd should be different. I try to like if there's one thing I've learned over the years, it's like, you know, don't take it too seriously. Don't you know take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. Uh, try to see the good in people, <laughs> like, like with requesting, for example. I, yeah, yeah. I will let anybody request. My, my, my one thing is like I want people to at least have a song title. You know, the worst is like, like that's that's all I require from yeah. a request. I'm like, you could be jabbering to me about all kinds of other stuff, and I'll ignore you until you actually name a yeah. song. Yeah. yeah. Then, at the very least, I kind of have an idea of what you want, you know, or like mm-hmm. what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, like, that leads me to my next point, which is just that, you know, I think that with the way that it's sort of a trickle down thing from the way that the, the recording industry, like, changed. Yeah. Because, you know, when people, it's, a, it's about access and the way people consume music, you know. Mm-hmm. And now it's just like these, like, it's just stream, everything's streaming. And I think that there became this sort of disposable, like, element to it. And then people started treating DJs like live iPods, you know? Like, hey, hey, (laughs) 
play my song. Put a quarter in. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's, so that's why I always, like, kind of try to remember for myself and also try to remind other DJs or, like, it's, like, what I tell my students. I'm just, like, this is a different time now, and yeah. you got to take it with a grain of salt, and you got to kind of just, because it's, a lot of times it's about the energy that you're putting out. So if you're, like, super grumpy and, like, mean, sure. then obviously that's going to get you nowhere. Right. Um, but I tend to, you know, it might be an overly idealistic, like, way of looking at it, but, you know, I tend to think, like, if I have good energy and I'm just kind of, like, putting my best foot forward and playing the best set that I can at any given time, like, you know, I try to, f like, think of it as, like, okay, I'm, I'm keeping away at least some percentage Mm -hmm. of annoying requesters because they're having a good enough time right and they're doing what they're supposed to be doing which yeah. is like having a good time that i'm keeping them at bay you know what i mean yeah, yeah, sure. and then sure. and then if anybody else comes up past then past them then then those people are just really determined <laughs> uh -huh. and then you know if or they're drunk. that determined yeah or, or drunk if they're that determined or that drunk it's like all right well what do you want to hear right. you know and you know one out of every i would say 20 times you know i get a request it's actually something that like i hadn't thought of uh -huh. that's like right on time and yeah. i turn to that person i'm like you know what that is a great request and i'll and i will play that next. that's really cool <laughs> that's funny that you don't hear i mean i you know we've heard a lot of request stories spider has some amazing stories oh my god <laughs> um and i you know i follow you know a couple people on facebook with the who post the request stories or whatever yeah Adam 12 has some good ones. <laughs> yeah. um, but you rarely hear anyone say like, yeah, once in a while there's a, there's a decent request. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, the way I see it is like, you got to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Sure. And you got to kind of remember, not, you know, how DJ culture has changed so much. Yeah. It's not always necessarily their fault. You know, they don't, well, they don't half the time, especially depending on their age, they might not have any idea that like well that's the thing we're talking about you know cream of beat or you know uh those early parties and it's like every every 80 percent of the of the attendees were into dj culture mm -hmm. do you know mm -hmm. what i mean yeah and now yeah you know clubbing is mainstream nightlife is mainstream right you know people are at vegas for the weekend this might be their first time they've ever been at a club yes yeah Right, and it's just a whole different experience. Yeah, for sure. What was um, I know you're you're a three style champion. Um, is that a game changer? Like, what happens? Yeah, I mean, afterwards? I didn't end up. You know, I've I've seen it completely change people's lives. That like, a few years later, like from when I did it. Yeah. Because it had exploded yeah, into yeah, kind yeah. of a much bigger thing. I sure. mean, I I kind of, I won the LA one in. 2010 and mm -hmm. like it was still uh, you know it was nowhere near the kind of reach that it has now yeah um so i'm i've seen it you know completely change people's careers that ended up becoming like you know world champions or u.s yeah. champions and yeah um you know i mean certainly certainly like it was a amazing feeling and i worked really hard on it so, so i was really stoked let me ask it this way is there one if you look back at your career has there yeah. been one game changer that things were different after than they were before 
Yeah, I mean that was definitely one, but yeah. but like honestly, to this day, just packing up everything I own in a U-Haul and moving to LA, just like on a whim yeah. of kind of like, let me ride this wave yeah. because at that time it was like literally, you know, I had, yeah, like a like AM had started coming to San Francisco more, uh -huh. and I uh, was opening for him like almost every time that he would come up and developed a friendship with him and you know his people were kind of like you know just come to LA just make it happen yeah. and uh yeah I mean that 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 when I look back on as far as like risk taking and just yeah. being like let's do this thing that was kind of the biggest moment still yeah. to this day of like here goes nothing you know what I mean like nice. let's see how this goes yeah. and just going for it you know um yeah because jumping into that you know much bigger pond and you know I, I think just immediately put the right kinds of pressure on me mm -hmm. to just step up my game and just like do better mm -hmm. um, and and kind of like yeah to stick out more in a good way to like make people remember me more and like you know yeah just 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 the right kind of pressure that's uh, it's such an interesting statement the right kind of pressure because <laughs> because i think we have this like you know i think the old school thinking is like all pressure is good pressure people work you know they thrive <laughs> under pressure blah blah, yeah. blah right yeah and then you know this sort of new era is like happiness we should all be happy at all times <laughs> yeah. and you know we should find balance and all that and so yeah. you know both of those are kind of extreme positions mm -hmm. oh shit yeah um what's good, the right good. we good yeah okay <laughs> what's the right kind of pressure for you or okay or, or i mean you, you sort of describe it right i get it it's yeah kind of but what's the can you recognize that as it's happening yeah i mean it's funny you mentioned it because i was literally just thinking about that like um i'm a terrible procrastinator <laughs> okay so like i need sometimes to like to just like you know, fill up my calendar with all kinds of things and just agree to as many things as possible just so that I'll, you know, talk about the right kind of pressure so yeah. that it's like I'll just keep my calendar out See, like, at home. So, like, I'll just throughout the day, if I feel like I'm lagging at any point, I'll just look at the calendar and be like, right. <laughs> like, don't forget all this stuff you got to do and just, no, I, you know, and, I, and, then I I'll, <laughs> and then I'll just be like, okay, like, all right, like, and I, you know, it's funny, like, I always think back to this one random thing, like the, in the liner notes of Jay Dilla, Welcome to Detroit. Mm. He has this part where he's talking about being super unmotivated to work on music and being like he's like because there's in the liner notes for that album he talks about each song mm -hmm. and like what went into each song and i forget which track it is but it always stuck with me for some reason um this thing where he says you know i didn't feel like working on music he's like but i sat there and thought about all the people that are working on music right mm. now and i was like well someone else is gonna make it before i make it so i better get to work yeah and I remember it really had this impression cool. on me at the time of like, this is Dilla. Like, yeah. 
just like the absolute like top level like genius yeah. master of this of beat making and like nobody could ever touch this dude like he's just in his own lane and to hear that he mm -hmm. would go through that struggle really had this impression on me of like it goes back to what we were talking about before of like everyone has to come to that moment of like you know where you don't feel like doing the thing that you've wanted to do your whole life sure. <laughs> yeah everyone has those days you know and it's like it's something I'm I definitely have wrestled with over time and uh, something so, as as the older I get I feel like the more I really try to like stay you know more disciplined and yeah. aware about trying to create the right situations and things in my life that will maximize you know the the, the productive the productivity like so for him I mean that statement it sounds like there's a competitive drive for him yeah right that he doesn't want someone else to get whatever he's <laughs> right which is there's nothing wrong with that yeah is that is it the same thing for you or what's the thing that no, gets you motivated no because i like yeah i like i think that that reading that just what i took away from it more so than the competition aspect was just the aspect of like just being amazed that this guy like i had this idea in my mind of him or anyone else i really looked up to as just being like just blissful like a hundred percent of the time like because they're living their dream right, right, and they're right, doing right. what they want to yeah, do sure. and they're just always happy and sure. like when you're younger you just don't even you it would never even cross your mind yeah. that someone you right. look up to that much would ever you know not want to do yeah. what they do you know and then you get a little older and maybe you have a certain amount of success and you're like whoa wait i totally get it mm -hmm. you know so you know, some people I think are driven a lot more by competition. I've, I don't know. I feel like I'm driven by like, I don't know, just like wanting to kick my own ass, <laughs> Yeah. I guess. And like, I've noticed that as I get older too, it's like I kind of, each day it's just this sort of thing of like, what would make me the most stoked right now? Mm. It's like, you know what would make me the most stoked right now? Just like getting a bunch of shit done and mm -hmm. like <laughs> making a new beat or right. like, listening to some cool tunes or like yeah. whatever it is and like that's cool sure along the way there's like moments of kind of spacing out like oh wait i just listened to this random steely dan album like what part of the plan was that <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah sure. so because it's because it's because it's like all in the realm of like artistic whatever like creativity and like right. obviously there's it's it's like the blessing and curse like element to that of yeah. like lack of structure versus like learning how to create your own structure you know what yeah. i mean it's like so I don't, I don't really think I'm driven by competition as much as like, yeah, like, like knowing that, like, I think what I took away from that Dilla thing and other things I've read from other people I look up to over the years that are kind of along the same lines is sort of like, you're your own worst enemy, like mm -hmm. with the whole aspect of like, you got to get out of your own way. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like you finish certain kinds of work and you'll be like, man, why was I like, you know, struggling with that so hard? Like now that it's done it's it's awesome and it's great and it's it yeah. seems so simple and easy and yet i had to go through this like crazy internal struggle just sure, to like, sure. get yeah, it done of course. of course so you know yeah, it's like create... wrestling with yourself yeah, that whole absolutely. thing absolutely absolutely all right i gotta do a lightning round before they cool throw us out of here um so complete this sentence for yourself okay i don't have talent i have blank Insanity. Okay. 
I'll take that one. Yeah. Uh, if, if I worked for you, uh, what's something I would hear you say over and over? Don't be a dick. <laughs> that's a nice tip. Yeah, that's, that's worth saying. Like, be nice to people? Yeah. <laughs> what about for your students? Is there like a, is, if I asked your students, you know, what is a... Stick with it. Yeah. You know, like, like be prepared to get discouraged, yeah. but then fight through those, you know, push through that, the, that wall mm -hmm. because there's going to be a lot of walls. Yeah. 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 I mean, I literally just yesterday, I'm on, I'm on week two of like the new term and like this crop of students is a lot more talented than I had anticipated. The most talented crop of students I've had thus far. Really? But it's great because then it forces me to come up with new challenges yeah. for them. Yeah. And so I had them uh, blindly beat matching yesterday. Like they're used to like CDJs and seeing the BPM. Right. Yeah. I covered up the BPM with like index cards. Yeah. And then I had them like mixing on vinyl too. And they were just like, this is so hard. And I was just like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. But they stuck with it that's and they cool. pushed through it. And that's yeah. kind of what I'm trying to foster this environment of like, <clears throat> be prepared to hit a wall because I'm not going to like, you know, I'm not going to be halfway with the, with the, the amount I'm going to challenge you. Right. But if you can push through that wall, even when you get frustrated, then you're going to, you're going to get somewhere with it. You know, it's like, it was just, it's like what, what we were just talking about, like trying to hold that same standard for yourself. Yeah, sure. It's so difficult sometimes, you of course. know, but that's what Who would you about. be most excited to learn as a fan of your work? Mad Lib. <laughs> Oh. That's an easy one. What's your favorite city to travel to? Yeah, not to be boring or anything, but New York, uh -huh. <laughs> pretty much. It's a dope city. <laughs> Maybe not right now. <laughs> Maybe not this week, but uh, yeah, right. Nah, it's a great city. I just always like, yeah. If I haven't been in a while, I just start to crave it. Yeah. I'm like, I gotta get back there. Yeah. You know, and I mean, there's a a ton of places I still haven't been that I'm dying to get to. But what's what's but, top of the list? Top of the list right now has got to be Japan, yeah. Tokyo. I still have never been. I'm trying to get there this year. I'm working on some things right now. That's... I got a guy you should talk to. Oh, cool. He's, he messes with DJs out there. Awesome. Dope. Yeah. Right on. Um, what's the last great book you read? <laughs> is, there, is there a book that's had like a big impact on you over the years? Um, yeah. I mean... I like David Byrne's book on music. Oh, How Music Works? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How Music great. Works is awesome. I haven't finished that yet. Uh -huh. I'm like halfway book. through it. That one's awesome. Um, uh, the, you know those 33 and a third books? Uh -huh. The Donuts one is incredible. Cool. The Paul's Boutique one is incredible. Um, I just got the Portishead one, the one on Dummy. Nice. I haven't, I haven't cracked that yet, but I'm stoked to get into that soon. Yeah. Uh, what else? Um, those are fun. Yeah. Um, my mom got me the Patti Smith's book oh, uh, yeah. for Christmas. Like yeah. I think it's called Just Kids or something like that, about her and Robert Maplethorpe. Yeah. That one looks looks great. I read like the first couple chapters of that when I was when I was home to to be polite, so I could say, "Hey, mom, I started reading that book you got me." No, I'm sure that's <laughs> but, good. But I really like books like that where it's like I'm not necessarily I don't necessarily know a whole lot about that person's music, or yeah. I'm not necessarily a huge fan of their music. 
but reading it makes me want to a learn more about their music listen to more of their music but it's also dope to kind of like get inside their head and see what kind of like what informed their creative approach to what they did because you always end up kind of taking something away from it for what you do you know what i mean like there's always something there that you're there that kind of influences you or kind of like gives you like some inspiration did you read this doesn't fall into that category because i think we're both big fans but did you read the herbie hancock book no but it's a game changer i <laughs> so good yeah wow so good okay and what and that's like an autobiography yeah, yeah okay yeah. okay it's, it's like a few years old nice it's amazing you know it's yeah it's funny you mentioned that because i that's on my list and i've never i still have never read miles davis's autobiography oh, yeah, either. Me neither but that's on my list yeah but yeah. people have always told me you got to read that yeah he has a great miles story oh nice like you got to read it cool uh yeah, I, I, I saw Don Cheadle's uh, Miles Davis mm-hmm, movie on a plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I, it was all right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it was dope, like, as far as just, like, it had, it had some really dope moments. And, like, you know, they had Robert Glasper on the soundtrack, and he killed oh, it. Cool. You know, I listened to that. I listened to the soundtrack when I got home. Yeah. And it was really dope. And That's cool. It, it reminded me I got to read that. Mm. And it reminded me of Herbie as well. What movie have you seen the most in your life? <laughs> probably like half baked uh-huh. <laughs> days to confuse yeah. billy madison like dumb shit <laughs> Dude, adam sam is a force and then yeah goodfellas uh-huh. um i just always come back to like kind of the most predictable goodfellas godfather one and two it's amazing movies i just rewatched all of the sopranos <laughs> oh yeah it's a good idea i just kind of like yeah i don't know yeah, i got in this zone it. where like i just over the holidays where I was like, huh, I haven't watched, like I saw that they, they aired the pilot and I was like, I haven't watched this in a while. And I, yeah. as soon as I watched the pilot, I was like, well, I guess I gotta just watch out the entire thing now. Have you heard, do you know Spider's Ray Liotta story? No. Oh, it's on our show, you gotta listen to that. Okay. I'll send you the link. Oh, nice. Okay. Or ask him about it, it's, it's incredible. Wow. Man, he's got so many good ones. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, who's your favorite DJ? J-Rock. Still to this day, yeah, the guy is just on another level. Yeah, insane. Best, just like career, like track record, like yeah. I yeah, mean, we somebody brought his name up recently. I can't remember. Yeah, anytime to this day, I can catch a J Rock set. I'm 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 hyped. Yeah, because there's always something I take away from it of like whoa, like either some insane tracks he's playing that I've never heard before, or like. Yeah some kind of technique he was like flossing some just something you know what i mean some yeah, yeah. it's always really inspirational for sure yeah. uh how does everyone find you online if they want to catch a set or everything whatever? is just like at dj morse code uh-huh. so like instagram twitter uh soundcloud you name it at dj m-o-r-s-e-c-o-d-e that's the one Oh. Man, thanks for doing this. This is a lot of fun. Thank you. To you. Yes, it's great. Um, come fun. back anytime, promote stuff. Thank you. You know, it was Morse Code on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Make sure you hit us on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, on iTunes. Hit us everywhere and come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace. <laughs>